Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM, and I'm joined by the wonderful Michael J. Russ, uh, who I have a very deep heart connection with, and, and I'm so grateful to you, Michael, for everything that you do and you bring to the show, and so I'd like to welcome you. Thank you so much. You are a, 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 a guiding light in this whole, in this whole uh, venture. You are, and I love oh, it. Um, you're so Ditto to so everything kind. you said for you. Yeah. You are so kind. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as would happen, so many different things come into play, and I think sometimes the universe will bring us messages, and um, over and over and over again, it seems to be that the message this week that has been given to me from my astrology to everything else was about self-love, and so I just wanted to share a little story about my past mm-hmm. and my coming to terms with self-love. So when I was a little kid, I grew up in a very loving family, and I, you know, I didn't really know think that there was anything odd about myself physically, uh, but one time when I was out on the playground and I didn't have any shoes on, these kids looked at my feet and said, oh my God, you have crooked toes. Look at your, look at her toes. Look at her toes. Her toes are all crooked. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? I didn't think there was anything wrong with my feet. I thought my, my feet were, you know, just like everybody else's feet. And then I, I think I, it, it, like a little, as a little kid, it kind of rocked my world. And I went home and I was like, why do I have crooked toes? You know, you know, it's my mother's toes. They weren't crooked. And she said, well, your dad has crooked toes. You know, it comes from the Italian side of the family. Norwegians don't have crooked toes, but I guess Italians do. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, as, as a kid, uh, and I don't even remember how old I was, I thought, well, how could I straighten my toes? It was before the internet, so it's like I thought, okay, well, I'll get some popsicle sticks, and I, I would try to tape these <laughs> popsicle sticks on my toes, and so I could keep them straight. And and you know what? It didn't work, and it was very uncomfortable, and it didn't matter. And then, as fate would have it, I I picked up an astrology book from somewhere, and I I'm a Pisces, and I found out that Pisces. Uh, rule the feet. And I thought, oh, great. Of all the things to rule, <laughs> I'm going to be ruling the feet. And I don't even have good looking feet. I've got these crooked toes. And, you know, and what was really interesting was over the years, I think just from the course of walking and maybe bad shoes or who, whatever, um, my feet, my toes just eventually flattened out, except for my baby toes. My baby toes are still, they kind of curl under. But what was really fascinating was along this journey, every time I look at my toes, I lost my dad to cancer when he was only 53 years old, and he was very young. And But every time I look at my feet, it's a reminder of my father, and it's a reminder of that connection and that imperfection. And really, I, when we were talking about self-love, I thought, what a, what a perfect thing for me, because it's something that... Nobody really knows that I had crooked toes or that I still have two crooked toes, and they don't see them because they're in my socks. They're kind of unco- you know covered up all the time, but they're there. And I don't really think about them. They have never hindered me. I'm grateful for the fact that I have two feet that I can run and, and walk on. Um, but I thought that that was, you know, I would start that story off just to sort of express to you that we all have different things that we may see as imperfections, but really, Mm -hmm. I think that they are all part of our ability that make us unique in who we are. And um, so, Michael, I'm going to let you start off with with the reading uh, that kind of drew us into this subject of self-love, and we'll go from there. So, welcome. That's awesome. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. uh, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing uh, that wonderful story. Uh, we all have those stories. We all do. Um, it turns, as it turns out, you know, crooked toes are only a big, big deal when you're a kid, because after a while, nobody cares. Um, because mm-hmm. at a certain point in life, everybody realizes that they've got something, some sort of flaw. And what I encourage everybody to do is to simply see other people as balls of light, as with with, with various clothes on. You know, different races, different ethnicities, different heights, different you know, body types, uh, whatever. We're all uh, souls running around with, with suits of clothes on. Those suits of clothes give us our part of our identity somewhat. If we, and if we allow ourselves to become um, them to become our absolute identity, then it becomes problematic in our lives because uh, where, we have, where we are right now 
social media is a good example of it. It, it um, there's a, a very large, uh, not a very large, but a very high suicide rate, higher than normal, because uh, there should be no suicide, quite frankly, in, in my view. But there's a higher uh, suicide rate among young girls, young young girls, young teens, etc., because they're uh, accepting what they hear on the on the internet as as gospel, as true. And this has to go. Basically, it's the it's the uh, how can I put it? The uh, exponential version of your toes are crooked. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine that was just one girl that said that to you. But imagine having being online and and your social media and having hundreds of people or dozens of people saying your toes are crooked. How is that going to impact you as an individual? And this is what we have to think about in this day and age, because this is possible. This is this is where cyberbullying comes from. And cyberbullying has a very, very big impact on self-love. Um, the, the conversation of love that we're going to have over the next couple of episodes is, uh, I should let our listeners know, it sprung forth from a wonderful post that you uh, put up on Instagram. Uh, it's about three posts ago. And it's a woman walking, and I think she's Irish, and she's walking through uh, a beautiful forest, and she's talking about how you are perfect just as you are. You're just you're you're always just enough. And in and some of the things that the, that she says is basically that you're you're stronger than you think. You're lovable. You're inspiring. You're smart. Important. You're kind. You're caring. You're worth uh, worthy of love and respect and affection. And uh, you're perfect just as you are. It's a it's a beautiful piece, and it's getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention. And well, it should, because what get is she starts out with what you've forgotten about yourself. That's that's the opening line. What you've forgotten about yourself, by the way, is this, and that just that line alone helps people. It actually straightens people up. And okay, what what, what do you mean? Whatever forgotten, and I think it's apropos because. This is, in this life, we do forget that we are enough because everything outside of us, everything outside of us is telling us that we're not enough, mm-hmm. that, we're, that, we, that we need more, that if we don't have this or if we're not with them or if we're not part of this clique or if we're not going to the school or if we're not doing whatever it may be, participating in this activity, we're not enough. You're not part, you're, you're not going to be enough unless you have this, unless you have that. And uh, we live in a, a society that is 70% consumer-based. The world basically is becoming a, a consumer-based world. And what comes along with that is a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to be like other people by having this thing or that thing. And when it comes to you personally, I always like to start out with the same thing I think about happiness. You were born happy. You were also born of, more importantly, born of love. You come from love. You seek love your entire life because that's what people do. They seek love and affection. And then they return to love when they die. Uh, people who've, who've I've spoken with who have had near-death experiences, the most profound thing that they say is that they experienced a depth of love they have never in their life experienced a depth of love and i think about that i said really yeah a depth of love that they going forward in their lives they seek to find here on this earthly plane it is it is a profound thing. Some become artists and express their love through art. I met a gentleman in Sacramento who was like that. Uh, he had a near death experience, and, and that's what he told me. And, he, and, he, and his his art was was very emblematic of of the love. He, he tried to continue to recreate what he felt, and in his in his artwork, and it was beautiful. And um, of course, art is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, however, you know it came from a place of love. But we come from love. When you're born, you are loving of yourself and of life. And I've always said that 
if you're 44 or 64 or 80 years old or 25, doesn't make any difference. And you don't love yourself unconditionally, it's because you have learned not to love yourself by accepting what other people have said, by accepting, by letting your outer world, as I like to say, dictate to you how you should feel about yourself and what you're capable of. And in my view, we don't put enough emphasis on, on self-love, not from the beginning of we go into, when we go into school. Um, in my view, you know, who knows how to parent? I mean, come on, there's no instruction book. Uh, it, it, sometimes, you know, it, it's, a, it's a luck of the draw as to sometimes whether you get parents who are, who are, um, who infuse this into your mind. And I know my mother didn't necessarily say those words specifically that you are enough. However, I could sense from every fiber of her being and every action that that was what she was saying, that I am, I am enough. And there are times in my life, just like you, that I thought I have thought that I haven't been enough. And, and, when I go back and think about them and, and what brought me out of that phase into a more self-loving, unconditionally self-loving phase is of my life back where I should have been, remembering how I was born, is the realization of what was happening. So in my view, hopefully for our listeners, this show will be a remembrance, mm-hmm. will serve as a remembrance for them that, listen, the weight of the outer world can be incredibly heavy. And when you're sitting home alone, it's easy to think that you're not loved, that somebody doesn't love you. We'll get around to the outer love in an, in an episode or two later. What we're going to cover in this episode, and perhaps the next episode, because this is a really deep subject, is self-love. Unconditionally loving yourself. And the reason is because, as uh, Lisa will tell you, uh, a wonderful audience, you, outer love coming to you is a function of the love you give to yourself, that you put out. You know, you have to give to get. You have to put yourself in a frequency of love and be vibrating, resonating that frequency out to the world in order for the world to pick up that resonance and bring it right back to you. And that's really the way it works. It always works like that. And there are a lot of things that get in the way. One of them is what that girl told you, which was flat out awesome example of a thought virus. Mm -hmm. Your toes are, your toes are crooked. Ooh, look at you. Your toes are crooked. That's a thought virus. It's the way she said it the way it was said to you. And if you believe that, then you now have, have taken on the thought virus that will impact the way you feel about yourself going forward. And that feeling is not positive. You know, it's not positive. I'm sorry. It's just, if you accept it, that's what happens. And this is the subtlety of thought viruses and they compound over your, over your lifetime. And it's very, very uh, important to, when you think a certain way about yourself, a way that's negative, if you don't think you're enough, if you think you've got something wrong with you or whatever, it's a good idea to sit down and kind of ask yourself, where did that come from? Did somebody say that to me? Because I have a friend who doesn't feel good about himself, and he's flat out told me in conversations things that his mother and that his father-in-law and that his uncle have told him. And each and every one of them is a thought virus. You're not enough. You need to do this. You need to do that. You're never going to be this way. You're not going to be that way. You'll never succeed if you do it that way. But if you do, you know, I'm going, hey, who knows? Only you know what you're capable of. Only you know what success means to you. Your idea of success may not be what somebody else's idea of success is. So we always have to start, start at the beginning of how can we 
get back to loving ourselves unconditionally. And this is where I would instruct our listeners to jump onto our podcast, Connect to Love, and and go back a few episodes because I'm going to touch on something now, but we have a full episode about it, which is the act of forgiveness. All these things we've built, all these thoughts we've had about ourselves, uh, that we've thoughts that, that other, well, thought viruses we've, we've uh, accepted as truth, which they aren't. You're a perfect being. You were born a perfect being. You're going to die a perfect being. In our society, perfection is in the eye of the beholder, and you are the beholder, not somebody else. You're the one who's deciding how you feel, what you think, how you look, and whether how you look is enough. So we have to, we have to, to, to basically flush all the negativity that's ever been said about us outside because it's not true. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so the best way to do that is to flush it out with something we talked about a few shows ago called um, the prayer of forgiveness, which is ho-o-pono-pono, ho-o-pono-pono, right? So uh, why don't you, I'm going to let you, stop talking for a moment, and let you give our audience oh, the okay. ho-o-pono-pono. <laughs> yeah, that was you want me to from Dr. Mike Kalinopoulos. Right. It was it was uh, yeah. a very it, it was a, a form of cleaning is what, the way that uh, D- Dr. Lynn Q referred to it as, and it was very simple words. You know, forgive me, I'm sorry, thank you, I love you, and the love I think is is one of the biggest components of that. And he right. said it over right. and over and over again until he was able to heal a whole ward of of. Right. Patients in a, in a now, mental institution. Awesome. Now, here's the thing. How do we use it individually for ourselves? And this is my suggestion. Uh, whenever you have a thought about yourself, whenever you have a thought about yourself that is not totally positive, in alignment, in alignment with unconditional love of yourself and what you're capable of, you say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. I thank you. That's what you say. And you repeat it over and over again until that thought that you initially had has been flushed out. Mm-hmm. You got to believe the words, obviously just keep saying them. Um, and, and it's interesting because sometimes when I, when I, when I have a, a thought or two about my past that comes up, something I've done in the past, something, some mistake I made, something that some failure that I, uh, that came up all of a sudden, I will say, I'll just simply Stop thinking about the thought. I'll just change it to, I, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. I thank you. And I'll say that for the next 10, 15 minutes during my walk. You can say it during a meditation. You can say it during any time when you're by yourself uh, and, and you, you have these, when you're not feeling good about yourself. This is the thing to do. It does. It, it means technically in Hawaiian, uh, in Polynesian, make it, that's ho'o, Pono Pono is right, right. Make it right, right. That's the flush. That is, it, it's, it, to me, it's the most powerful mechanism. And there was this wonderful Asian actress who plays in a lot of martial arts movies, and they did an, exp, exp, um, an expose about her uh, two weekends ago. And this is the first thing she does when she gets up. She sits at the end of the bed, and she says this, I love you. Please forgive me. I mean, that's means God. Apologies. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. I thank you. And she said she does it in order to flush out, in order to forgive herself for anything the previous day uh, that she might have done that, you know, that she could possibly uh, get down on herself for. Maybe that thing wasn't right. Maybe a scene she shot could have been better. She made a mistake in it and whatever. You know, there's little things that we do. There are misfortunes, misfortunate things that happen, unfortunate things that happen to us uh, that we are a part of. And, and sovereignty is about taking responsibility for yourself and your actions and everything that goes into your mind, body, and what impacts your spirit. That's what sovereignty is. So in, in saying this Ho'oponopono uh, prayer of forgiveness, these four lines give you the ability, the word I'm thinking of isn't coming to my head at this particular point, but uh, the, 
it'll come to me. The uh, ability to uh, to disconnect from those things that you've thought about in the past, or things you've done, things you've thought about yourself, because right. again, none of them are true. None of you. I, it's your ability to flush them out. Yep, I believe it's conditioning. And what's so interesting is, you know, it's about seeking approval from others. And I and I was thinking about this a lot, Michael, because both you and I moved a lot as children. Mm-hmm. And so what was so interesting, and I think this is why, I, in my opinion, and when I've done sort of done some self-analysis and looking at why I am the way that I am, I'm very resilient. I can kind of, I'm like water, I kind of mold and move and flow through things. But what was nice about my childhood, even though I had somebody who thought that about my toes when I was in such and such a grade. Yeah, we we yeah. moved probably eight months later, and I was in a totally different school. So all of those thought viruses that would have maybe followed me through school, I was known, would have been known from first grade to 12th grade as the girl with right. the crooked toes. It left, and, and then I started mm-hmm. anew. And then, you know, right. maybe I was there another two years, and I moved somewhere else. So I never really... Um, come on to them. I just sort of let everything go. And I still do that in, in my life. And I think that for anybody in, when you, whenever you sort of look at uh, what is the, the best version of yourself, that's sort of what I, I ask myself all the time. And I think Ho'oponopono allows me to do that. And if uh, our audience members would like to read a little bit more about the story, there's a, a book, Zero Limits, by Dr. Joe Vitale that sort of outlines this. And as you pointed out, you know, they're, they, the words, and as you can say them, you repeat them. I repeat them sometimes over and over and over again. They meld into one another. So I really mm-hmm. don't know what's first. But forgiving my myself, you know, or forgiving others, it, and that's really what the the practice was about. Uh, I don't know if you you, and I'm sure that you've heard the the saying by Gandhi. You, you know, your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your right. words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become <clears throat> your character, and your character becomes your destiny. And really, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza says, you know, your personality becomes your personal reality. So I think uh, for myself, and this is sort of what I'm seeing, is that people have gotten disconnected from self because of different filters. You know, you <laughs> these filters on, on the photos or filter, you know, filter out this, filter out that, that we've become sort of disconnected from the divineness of who we truly are. And because we lack that connection to our essential self, it kind of, it, it, you know, I think there is a lot of, of that being lost or trying to navigate through or re- really trying to, reconnect to that that part of the heart um and you know there's a a fantastic buddhist analogy where there's a person living in a hovel and but underneath Mm -hmm. them is buried treasures like magnificent treasures and it was only till somebody knocked on the door and said you know wait a minute let's look in here and that's when the vastness of the wealth was found and i think that's really what or we're trying to do with this show. We're, we're here to, you know, look at, like, knock on your door and ask you to see the buried treasure that's within. That's beautiful. It's a gorgeous metaphor, um, really, uh, for because it, it, the, the whole idea, when, when I tell people uh, who, who say, I want love in my life, I really want uh, to find my uh, perfect mate, uh, I want to be with somebody. I want to have the love that you and Sandy have. I want to have love like my parents had. I want to have what, really you. What you're saying is what you want. What mm-hmm. I don't hear you saying is what you're imagining for yourself. And I've come to understand because there are there are a, a literal host of of everybody's into law attraction nowadays. Everybody's you know this is what you do. This is this simple blah blah blah. I, when it comes to happiness, when it comes to love, when it comes to um, the things you really want to feel most often in your life, you have to really design your life around feeling in yourself. You have to, it, it, it involves 
for me, I can say this personally, it involves, um, from a sovereignty perspective, being very, very careful about what I expose myself to. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a, if your mind is completely open and it's taking in every little shred of information uh, that is out there, that's not a good thing. Because number one, there's way too much of it, and it's going to keep coming. It's never going to stop, uh, and it's coming from so many different sources. I prefer to to um, curate the sources of information that I expose myself to. There's one other thing too, though. I can involve myself in something in a detached way. In my book, Zero Adversity, I call it detached involvement, whereby you're not investing at a high emotional level into something that you're watching. I do, I use this when it comes to friends that have problems. The first thing I recognize is it's not my problem. It's, their problem for a reason, because they have to learn something. What that is, I don't know. It means something to them and their soul's uh, evolution. It doesn't mean anything to mine. Mine is to sit there and perhaps listen. And if there's something that they ask me to impart, I'll do it. They may just need, my mother told me this, taught me this one a couple of decades ago. She says, listen, sometimes women don't, want an answer they just want to talk <laughs> i said what are you talking about i'm the kind of person that i'm i i, I want to i'm a helper i'm an influencer that's what i do that is so right. against my grain it's insane right there right so you have a problem and you're going to sit there and tell me about it and you're going to cry about it and everything else and then i'm supposed to, to not impart some sort of wisdom from my experience I'm going, that's totally against my nature. And she goes, no, 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 no. (laughs) Don't say anything. Just stay quiet. And just sometimes what they just need to do is work it out for themselves, and you're just the sounding board for them to work it out. To which I said, okay, uh, that's fine, except for the fact that I don't actually have to be around that person, do I? Do I have to, like, like associate with that particular individual, Um, which – to her was you know, kind of strange, but I said, you know, I can choose who I associate with. And I know right. people who, we all know people who work out their problems by bringing them out in public and telling everybody they know, right? Um, in some ways, I kind of consider that kind of dumping your problem on everybody else because everybody's got something that they're challenged with. And what I tell people is, I, I want to know what you're, I want to know how you're thinking about dealing with this challenge. You know, the challenge, the details, the nitty-gritty of it, the nuts and bolts, that, uh, that's not as important as how you are going to respond to this challenge. You know, how do you think you can respond to it? How are you going to take yourself out of your comfort zone and deal with this in a way that's positive, a way that actually benefits you going forward instead of, Continue, uh, continuing to uh, repeat the same evolution of, uh, that got you here. You know, it, it, you can be in an endless loop of drama in your life. And how are you going to exit, your, exit that loop? That's really what I want to hear. And I'm listening to the inner conversation that's saying, this is hard, this is difficult, this is tough, it's possible, I'll never do this, it'll never happen. And I'm like, my gosh, how many barriers are you going to put up in front of yourself? You know, how many mental barriers are you going to erect so that, that will prevent you from moving through this? Believe in yourself. You know, you can do, you can move through this in a positive way. You just need to know how. And sometimes I'll simply say, read this book. And if they read, decide to read the book, they read the book. And if they don't, that's, not, that's out of my control. There's a way that I, I think that in many cases, that's a cry for help. It's a cry for help for many people who are... Uh, who are in this endless loop of, of drama or negativity or, uh, and, and the telltale sign, this always happens to me. This always happens to me. Really? It always happens to you. And I, and I think about that for a second, and what comes out of my mouth is that statement alone carries a lot of weight. What you say is energy. What you say mm-hmm. manifests. What you believe about yourself and your life perpetuates Right. Do you think, and, Michael, that that's a conditioned reaction? That we become conditioned to that? Uh, 
Yeah, well, let's put it this way. I mean, you weren't born thinking that, right? You weren't born right. thinking those thoughts. Um, we are observers as, 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 uh, as youth. We are observers. There's an impressionable time in our lives, and we observe what's going on and how people relate to, to, to uh, us and other people around us, you know, and what they say, what they think, what they do. And if you don't grow up in a loving household, you don't understand what love is. Your understanding of love is different than somebody who did grow up in a loving household. So, yeah, it's, it's conditioned. And um, I, I, I continue to say one of, the, one of the greatest tools of alchemy there is is, is is realization. Realizing something is going on. Uh, having an awareness that you are feeling a certain way or that this is occurring. And if it keeps occurring, having the wherewithal to realize or become aware of, or awaken to, so to speak, this keeps happening. Maybe there's something that needs to change. Maybe some aspect of me, of my thought process needs to change. Why am I continuing to experience this thing? Why am I continuing to experience a, a, a relationship that has no love? How do you feel about yourself? Are you loving of yourself unconditionally? Do you respect yourself? Do you forgive yourself when you make mistakes? Do you, are you grateful for who you are at this particular moment, at this moment in time and for everything that's happened to you since you were born? You have to be grateful because you can't go back and change it, right? Mm-hmm. You can do a blanket forgiveness of Ho'oponopono, fine. You also have to be grateful. Gratitude plays a huge part in everything in your life. So the conditioning can be changed with, with acceptance of who you are right here, right now. You know what's interesting? I, I, I know that this is uh, people's body image is huge in, in uh, the world today and mm-hmm. amongst youth. And I've, I mean, I've, I'm old enough to know how what we've consumed as food has changed in the last 50 years. Okay. And if you see an old movie, a movie from the 20s and the 30s, everybody's skinny. Everybody's skinny. <laughs> it's really interesting. They're small mm-hmm. and they're skinny. And you're going like, why is that? You know, you go to a museum and you see a, a suit from Fred Astaire, and it looks like a 12-year-old child in comparison to today. <laughs> this guy was the greatest, one of the greatest dancers in the world. It's true. Right? You go to the Smithsonian mm-hmm. or you go to some museum in, in L.A. or wherever you go, and there's a suit from somebody famous. And you look at it, wow, that is interesting. The, the shoulders on that person are probably a, a six inches shorter than mine. They're like, this, I couldn't fit into that. That looks like something, you know, so-and-so's kid would wear. And that's very, very true. What has happened over time is that body image, is, his, uh, body image has become a factor in selling all kinds of products as a, as a result of what we have been consuming or being forced to consume or consume unknowingly uh, in, in, in this world, but body image is huge. And then you add social media into the next. Now you've like thrown gasoline on an, on, on an already existing uh, fire. And now you've just blown it up into a full raging planetary forest fire. It's, it's because now you have a platform where somebody can shame you that you, someone who you don't know and shouldn't care about is allowed to, tell you how you should think about yourself. Wow, what a concept. But if this is the world you are now born into, having no understanding of the contrast to what happened prior when there wasn't this platform, you have no knowledge of that, no experiential wisdom of not having it, ever experiencing a cell phone or internet or anything else or social media, now you're born into it. And it makes it that much more challenging because you think it's real. You think it's real. You think that person somehow knows something about you. So you automatically take it on, take that thought virus on as your, as your own. And it can be very debilitating to anyone. And I, I don't know any, any boomers my age. I'm a, I'm a boomer. I'm 64. I don't know very many people my age that would fall for that. Mm-hmm. They would fall for that banana in the tailpipe, so to speak. They, we won't fall for that. You know, I know who I am. After a while in life, you, you know who you are based on your experiences, your talents, your gifts, 
maybe understanding them. You know who you are. I know who I am. That took time. It took mm-hmm. awareness and it took intention to learn who we are. And uh, the question, the age old question is, how do you actually change that conditioning? Bob Proctor, the greatest thing I've read lately, uh, quote from him, that most, he says, most people are extras in their own play, in their own life uh-huh. play. They're extras. Wow. I said, that's so profound. I always tell people, say, you're a, you're a protagonist. You're the star of your own play. However, when you don't love yourself, when you don't love yourself unconditionally, you don't respect yourself, you become a second bit player, a bit player in your own play. You know, just a character actor. Somebody who's there, whose face is nameless, you know, nobody cares. This is your life play. Step out in front. Get up on stage. Step out in front of everyone else. It's your life play. You can rewrite it. You can, you can, you're the director of it. You're the financier of that play. You are everything. You've got to imagine yourself being and what you would do. Imagine what you would do, how you would feel as, as, as the protagonist in your own play. I've come to understand, um, I guess, as, as we all have, uh, that, yes, moving around, as you mentioned earlier, is, was huge when it came, when it came to um, who I am. Now, in all honesty, when I was preteen and in the beginning of my teens and through my teens, as we were moving every two years, yeah, you could flush out, you could forget what somebody else said about you, it, unless you actually took it on as the gospel. This is, this is so true about me. Um, I remember, I'll tell you this one story, and I don't tell too many people this. As a matter of fact, very few people actually know this. Now I'm going to put it out there and, you know, <laughs> for everybody to hear, which is kind of interesting because that, that's not going to be true anymore. However, we were in Turkey, and I was, thir- I was 12 years old, and... I was playing in a, uh, when I got there, I was recruited into an R&B band. Number one, nine guys, we played R&B music. And we were all teeny, we we're all teens in the high, same high school. And I was a drummer, my brother was a hard player. As soon as we got off the, the airplane, uh, we weren't in the hotel, which is where everybody stays until your goods arrive. You found an apartment and your goods come and then you can move into your apartment. That takes like two months, sometimes two and a half months. You're in a hotel, uh, a transitional hotel. Um, and <laughs> what's interesting is, that my mother, uh, it was the, it was the, the 70s, early 70s. So bell bottoms were very um, in. They were an in thing. Uh-huh. And my mother made me wear a pair, pair of bell bottoms to school one day that were a little bit too short. Just a little bit, just a hair too short, right? And there was a term back in those days called high waters. High waders. We call them right. floods. So, yep, I get floods. it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There you go. So, <laughs> first thing that happened, first thing that happened is that I got to school and the leader of the band looks at me and he goes, he starts laughing and he goes, what's up, Noah? And I said, what? what? He goes, what's up, <laughs> Noah? And I said, what are you talking about? He says, man, you're wearing those floods. You're wearing those high waters. Your nickname is now going to be Noah. <laughs> I swear, oh I swear to Buddha, basically for the next, for the, that until I left, I was, my nickname was Noah. Wow. Because of that one incident, I didn't want to wear the pants at school. However, yeah. what I discovered, I, number one, I, I was embarrassed for a while. Then I said to myself, wait a minute. The best way to not have this thing be a thing is to not elevate it by right. acting negative when, they, when it's said to me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the thing, about, the thing about somebody, you know, calling you a nickname or calling you a name or whatever is your reaction to it. Because I understood um, at that particular point, it real, I realized that the energy I put into it is what was going to keep coming back to me. So I stopped putting energy into it and I just accepted it. And then it was no big deal. 
And then, then after a few months, a year, and new people would come in, people would psych in and psych in. Nobody understood why my name was, Nick, was Noah. Nobody knew. Nobody understood the story. And it never got repeated again. So it's Isn't like, that interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and this is, a good, this is a, a, a good lesson for many of our listeners when, you, when you're dealing with your kids and, and somebody says something, the energy that you dedicate, the negative energy you dedicate to whatever it was that was said or did, it, it, it is that it's a boomerang. It comes right back to you. It comes back mm-hmm. to you. It keeps coming back to you. As long as you keep pushing, it'll keep pushing back. And when you decide to simply accept it as a part of, okay, this is, this is said, it's what they believe. It's not what I believe. However, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to put any more gasoline on this fire. I'm not going to keep the fire burning. I'm going to let it go out. And right. you just keep, move on. And, and people just forget. They yeah, forget. it's great, Michael, it. that as, a young, I was going to say, as a young man, that you had that awareness to actually raise, you weren't conscious that you were actually raising your vibration from one of mm-hmm. shame uh, to really huh? one of love. Uh, and right. you're just like, hey, no longer, you know what, I, no I, I, I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a victim or not. It, it, it was my first, I think, experience uh, in dealing with victim consciousness. I didn't understand what it was back then or whatever, but I, I, I somehow, uh, interestingly enough, that's, that was my first experience of, of that sort of thing. You know, if you, if you decide to make yourself a victim, you're going to feel not only bad about yourself, but you're gonna, it, it's going to uh, draw, draw experiences to you that are going to continue to perpetuate that victim consciousness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And, and I, I really, I love that, that story because it truly is. And if you think about Noah, actually, he was the, the savior of, of a lot of the, the creatures that are on this earth. So he could have been, you know, it was a, a, quite a, actually a, a positive <laughs> I nickname, I was, really. I don't think he was talking about that at the time, but, you know, I mean, I was like, yeah, Noah. I looked at my Noah. yearbooks and I signed my name, Noah. I'm going like, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, it's just you, great. the things you do, they become inconsequential right. the older that you get. They become inconsequential. You know, it's not, yeah. a, not a thing. Not but a I thing think anymore. what you did was actually you made it a celebratory thing, and it was something at the mm-hmm. time. It was the only thing that made you unique, but it, it, it set you apart. And that's mm-hmm. how, how people got to know you. And it really, I think, it goes back to, again, loving yourself. And that when mm-hmm. transformation you know, seems impossible, it, as soon as you start to look at self-love and understand that you are enough and really appreciate all the different nuances about yourself, that's when things change. And, you know, transformation really isn't about becoming someone or something else. You know, it's really about working within and allowing that river of love to flow within you. And as you were talking, Michael, there's a video of this young lady, um, and I actually, I had to laugh because I really did not think that it wasn't Jim Carrey. Now, she has a face, and she says in her video, she said, I was born looking like this. I look exactly like Jim Carrey. And she looked really? exactly like Jim Carrey. <laughs> I mean, to a T. And she said, well, we all have you know, I, I, and, and it was so interesting, she said, because, you know, there was nothing that she could do to change her face. And she said, so, you know, people would poke fun of her. And, and she said, actually, she said, I ended up becoming a comedian. And she said, so much so that I actually <laughs> recently chipped my tooth. And then she made an a, a, a analogy that she looked like one of the Jim Carrey character in Dumb and Dumber. I don't know the character. Oh, name. gosh. <laughs> but, but you know That's what? I, I really loved her video because it, again, um, you know, was she, you know, was she trying to look like Miss Universe? Was she trying to look like whatever? She was embracing her uniqueness. And enough people had said to her, you know, you look exactly like Jim Carrey. And she really does. I, I had to question it. Double take But I think that, you know, it wasn't something that happened to her. She chose to take a higher level. She felt that it was actually a wonderful attribute. Um, for her to have that. It was like her superpower, mm-hmm. really. 
And yeah. she didn't see yeah. it as something that needed fixing. She didn't go to the plastic surgeon and say, oh, can you do something so I don't look like this? Not that there's anything wrong with plastic surgery. If that's what you feel you need to, to have a better um, self-confidence in whatever you do, that that's fine. But I think that it really it is. It's about really just trying to be yourself. And I think the more that you become yourself, the more you realize that you're worthy, you um yeah, I think it, it all has to do with acceptance and flow and connection and really aligning with that, that true sense of self. And that's what I really, really love. Well, I agree with it. I think it's absolutely beautiful. I'm going to make a suggestion here to our, to our audience. Um, you know, one of the things that I love to do, I think I alluded to earlier, was, is, is do things on a daily basis that validate the love I have for myself. And it's important to develop habits that reinforce self-love, reinforce self-love. I, I meditate. I walk. I do things for me. If, my, if, if, if you're married or you're in a committed relationship of some kind, and uh, we always have to understand that one of, the, one of the frictions that can occur is when you want to do something and your partner doesn't. And what you really want to do, you want to do for you because you love yourself and you care about yourself. Uh, so when I uh, decided to go walking, I, I will do a walk for me. I walk at about a three to three and a half mile pace. I walk for about three and a half miles and I take a specific route and I make it fun by listening to something, uh, something either Frankie loves music. I've got some other alpha wave music I listen to, or I'll, if I'm in an educational mood, I'll listen to something from Brian Scott. Uh, to, to, to get me through uh, the whole thing, or I'll listen to something that I, I've been wanting to listen to for some period of time, but I just want to, you know, take the time to do it, or, or nothing. You know, or sometimes I'll just walk and talk to myself about if I have to give a, a, a create a podcast or, or whatever it may be, I have to give a presentation, I'll talk, I'll talk myself through it while I'm on my walk. The point is that I'm walking. Does my girlfriend do the same kind of walking I do? No. It doesn't mean that I want that I'm not going to do it. A lot of times in relationship, we'll turn down, we'll not do the thing that we want to do, that we know uh, would nurture our soul for the sake of the relationship. And to that, I have to say, be kind, be loving, be compassionate and empathetic in your explanation of why you need to do it, because you need to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, people in our lives aren't going to be on the same page. And there may be something that they want to do. My girlfriend was into riding horses. I would say, go ride for two hours. Heck, I got a whole lot of things I could do here. You know, go do the thing that you're passionate about. Because I know that if you do the thing that, that, that you know you're passionate about, uh, you will have a greater love for yourself and what you're capable of. And you'll bring that back to the relationship and it will nurture the relationship. It'll take the relationship to a higher level because you're coming back as a person who's full of self-love and not a person who's, uh, who's uh, jaded because they're not doing what it is that they really want to be doing. Nobody wants to take away someone's uh, gifts or ability to practice their gifts or talents or involve them in something. So we all have those things. Uh, I, my girlfriend loves to play golf. I play golf, but I go play golf with buddies too. I'll go off and play mm-hmm. by myself. She rode with me, rode with me the other day. I found that to be very interesting. She decided, hey, I'll ride with you. It's a beautiful day. She wasn't playing. Only I was playing. And I loved it. And I loved her for uh, coming along with me and sharing something we both love, although she wasn't playing. And this is what we have to do to ourselves. What is it that you love to do out there? What, do you, what, do you, what, what nourishes you? What brings you in the enthusiasm? It sparks that enthusiasm inside of you and that love and uh, the, the, um, uh, the, what, what, um, what opens the floodgates? the self-love for you. Whatever that is, if you stop doing it, start doing it. Mm-hmm. It, it really nourishes your, your heart, your soul. It nourishes, it, it, it automatically spills over into all of your relationships. You, you have a smile on your face. You give yourself the love that you are, that you deserve by doing the thing that you love. If it's woodworking, make something. 
You know, it's not to the, not to the exclusion of the relationship. We have to have a balance. We always have to have a balance, you know, in, in, in everything that we do. You do it. However, you don't exclude the other person. You do things with the other person. And you, you ask, what do you like to do? And if you like to participate, fine. If not, maybe you can go work on wood while they do the thing that they do. If they're a runner, a marathoner, it doesn't mean you have to be. I'm not a marathoner. I ran cross country one time in Turkey. I swore I'd never do it again. <laughs> I, do. I get it. I swore I'd never do that again. Uh, I'm not a runner. However, some people love it, and they get, they, they get jazzed by doing it, cycling, whatever it may be, um, going to the gym every morning. Uh, you know, you love going and taking care of your little furry friends, you know? And, and I think it's – and that would be the one thing cause what, that really helps you. It grounds you. It, it helps you. It gives you a sense of satisfaction, I'm sure. And you feel the love not only for yourself and helping your animals, but they give you love back. And uh, by the way, I should say this. You know this for sure, and I want you to validate it for me from your personal experience. However, when you're feeling off and you encounter a pet, that pet will reflect back to you how you feel about yourself. Am I right? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting. There are bio there are like a feedback mechanism for you. Um, I, I when I had my Aussie Shepherd for 13 years, I never wanted a dog. When I when I decided on the spot to adopt her, she was a run a rescue. Something had happened, and she walked onto the property, and and uh, my girlfriend had lined up somebody else to take her, and I took one look at her, and I said, Oh my gosh, this is this ain't happening. <laughs> They're not, no, I named her on the spot, picked her up, took her to the vet, had her checked out. I mean, I had everything. So it's a funny story that Sandy loves to tell about how I adopted my dog that I was never going to adopt in the first place. Um, But pets can tell us. (laughs) That's how it happens. Pets, yeah, listen, you know, sometimes, you know, the the train goes off the rails for a good reason. You know, sometimes you have this little sped step. I don't want the hair in my, I don't want the dog hair in my house. And I don't want that, you know, and you're like, wait a minute. But take a look at those deep, dark eyes, those soulful eyes. Look at that. Look at this. The dog is smiling at me. Look at that. Yeah, they do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we have to remember that that's the case. But, you know, we, yeah. who we're with, you know, I don't know. Right? We're going to end this thing at some particular point, but I'll tell you how I'm going to end it. Hey, I'm going to end it. I don't know. How, how many minutes do you think? Yeah, we left? still have. I think we got about seven minutes. So I think we're okay. okay. And that's, actually, go ahead. I, but I was just going to say, the, Michael, and then you could, if you want to close out the show. No, 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 no. You I go. I want to end say, with. I think, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. What do you say? No, I just wanted to say, like, everything in your life, I think, for our audience members, is that everything in your ha- life happens for a reason. It, it really yeah. is about being in service to to your greater good. And so when you, you know, you embrace yourself in all things and you allow and you accept and you allow yourself to flow, like you did, Michael, with that dog, you know, it, you discover things about yourself. You know, you have a very... Yeah. Yeah. At that point, you had a mindset, I'm not having a dog, I'm not allowing this into my life. But all of a sudden, this thing showed up, and lots of different things show up <laughs> in our lives. And so when you're yeah. open to it, and you allow it to explode, I think that's really where the magic begins. And you find yourself all of a sudden in a flow and in a greater harmony. And I'm sure that there were so many amazing things that in your love of this animal, this dog, that you started to gain more love of yourself. Let's <laughs> do that for you. Correct? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, I'm going I'm to simply tell you this, that my life at that, at that particular point, 19, that was about well, was 17 years ago. I was into control, uh, controlling every aspect of my life. I was deep in it, okay? I was living by myself, wanted to control it more of my time. I, although I, I, I had a girlfriend, she was living in a separate house, and I would see her about four nights a week, and I'd take three nights for myself. Uh, and I didn't want, you know, I wanted to totally control my, uh, my surroundings. And when I, had, when I, when I uh, decided to adopt this dog, the one thing that the dog did was soften all that. I had to give oh. up control. The first thing she did was, the first thing she did was come to my house and poop and pee right in the middle of the living room. Right. 
So never did it <laughs> again. Ne- never, never, yeah. yeah, never did it again. Okay. But you know, and, and I, I, I hugged her and I said, you're home now, you're safe. Uh, this is going to be, we're going to have a great time. I'll just take care of this. And you know, it's no big deal. And you know, I mean, why, why it happens, you know, some people say, Oh, she's marking her territory. She was marking it. I don't know what it is. It doesn't really doesn't matter. You know, you can label it one thing or another. However, it became a very loving relationship between the two of us to the point where I would sit down at the dinner table and she would lay down after I ate, she would lay down next to me on the floor next to me. And if I put my hand over the side of the chair, she would put her paw in it and I would massage her pad. Mm. And I was just doing whatever. If we were watching television or catching a movie or whatever, she'd lay down next to me and she'd give me her paw and I would do that. And uh, the fondest memory I have of her is 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 that that I, if I I said I said Sandy watch this, and I I'd, I'd let go of her paw, and she put put it right back in my hand. Oh, and that's you know so there's sweet. there's such there's there's such there's such a gift, and she softened the heck out of me over the next thirteen years. I mean just I just you know basically gave up a lot of control. It was a metaphor. She was in my life for a reason, and pets in my view are in your life for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. and you don't know what that reason is. Uh, and when it, when it comes to love, they're going to, as I said, reflect back to you what you give to them and they're, they can help you open up when it comes to real humans, <laughs> to loving yourself. They can help you right. by being a, a mechanism for feedback. They can help you understand when you're, when you're sharp and when you're not, when you're a bit off. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful symbiotic relationship from that standpoint. And uh, I know I'm, I mean, I'm speaking to the choir with you. You've got some wonderful, some wonderful animals. Yeah, but I, I, I'm really grateful that you shared that about even the, the control and how we recognize you don't, you didn't beat yourself up about that. You, you evolved and you, oh, yeah. you had enough self-love to recognize that, okay, these were some things that, um, you know, perhaps it was you were allowing yourself even to open your heart greater than what it was. And I think that's yeah. really where the, the divine perfection in everything that happens. We don't always see the wisdom. Would I have liked to have had my father all of these years? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. It, what it did is it it challenged me uh, during the time, but... Uh, everything that I learned, everything that I learned in the two years that he went through his challenge, I was able mm-hmm. to later on use to help somebody else. And really, I, and I think that that's part of what it is. It, you reveal, you, as these little things, that sort of reveals part of your soul mission. And we've talked a little bit of mm-hmm. about the seed of the soul and, and whatnot. But I, I do. Whatever the reason that I'm here on this planet, it's, it's part of my divine bl- blueprint. I do... I do cherish the people that I have because I don't know how long they're going to be here. And I tell my friends I love them. And Mm -hmm. it's because I love myself that I'm able to express that. And um, I really try to to live from the heart. Can't say it any better than that. We're two peas in a pod when it comes to that. Um, You know, my dad went through seven years of dementia and until he finally passed. And I, you know, when I come across somebody who's, who's uh, a parent has dementia, uh, I ask them if I can give them a hug and I help them understand that it's not about them. Uh, it's about what their soul is going through and that you just have to simply, you're along for the ride. You may be a caregiver. Um, however, you have to remember that it's, there's, there's something to learn here uh, in all of this. And a lot of it is letting go. You know, we want to control, 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 control um, what they're thinking. You know, my dad would sit down and ask me the same question 10 times. And I would simply act as if it never happened. And it was easy for me to do because, to me, it wasn't important, the fact that he had, you know, that my brother would get out. Why is he asking that question again? No, 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 no. It's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's about sharing the love. In between all that, in between, because in between the lines of all that, there's, there's love there. And, uh, and, and I wanted to be there when the love happened. And I wanted to be, to be loving of him by respecting where he was. I, I met him where he was. I didn't try to make him anything different. Didn't try to make him mm-hmm. act differently. 
uh, or anything like that, because that's a function of control that uh, really creates stress. And I had no stress when I was with him. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. If something happens, mm-hmm. it, hey, it just happens, you know? Um, and that, that's where part of, uh, you know, Zeroversity came from is, is that, because he passed away in 2012. I published the book in 2014. Uh, and, uh, and I learned a lot in, in, in remembering uh, how I dealt with that situation. But I want to end the show with this one thing. I just simply want to go through this again, 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 is, is this, is this, this video of yours, the way we started the show. You are always enough. You are always enough. And you have to remember that you are stronger than you think, that you're lovable, you're inspiring, you're smart, important, you're kind, you are caring, you are worth the love and respect and affection that are given to you. And you are perfect just as you are. We have to start there. If you're looking to lose weight, you're perfect just as you are. You're not, you can't hurt yourself, get down on yourself for being where you are now. If you want to, if you're looking to be somewhere else, imagine yourself as that, as, as, as that embodied, as the embodiment of that person. But don't kick yourself around because you're not as you want to be. That's not how to get there. We'll have a stronger conversation about that because that is something that, that uh, it's the beginning of the year and a lot of people are looking to shift their, their body image in some way or, or another. And there are ways to do it with love and respect and affection. So thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. And I look forward to continuing our conversation next week.